raw, uncut, and unapologetic. Welcome to Men Talking Mindfulness with your hosts John McCaskill and Will Schneider. Here we focus on helping men and those with men in their lives solve some of life's complex challenges through understanding the practices of mindfulness and how they can help. Each episode is in an environment free of judgment and criticism with a focus on authenticity and inner peace. Let's dig in. Sometimes a broken heart can feel as if someone has taken a baseball bat to it. The very moment that you would prefer to push away the nasty feelings that are eating you alive like fire ants or the devastating feelings that make you think you never want to love again or the red-faced foolish feelings that heat up shame is the moment your mindfulness practice can come to your aid. This is from an article on mindfulness and mending the broken heart, written by Elaine Smokler, our guest today on the Men Talking Mindfulness show. Welcome back to Men Talking Mindfulness. I'm John McCaskill, and each week my co-host Will Schneider and I work to break down and demystify an aspect of mindfulness and make it meaningful to you. This week, we're talking with Elaine Smokler about how to mend these inevitable broken hearts. Elaine is a registered psychotherapist, certified mindfulness teacher, life balance coach, keynote speaker, teacher, writer, singer, and comedic performer. For more than 20 years, Elaine has been shaking things up in the mindfulness world with her lively and unique programs through University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies. These programs include Mindful Martinis, I love that name, Breathe In and Laugh Out, another name I love and her long-running online course, A Mindful Way Through the Creative Process. Elaine also connects with these face, those facing loss, grief, and stress, providing wellness programs for the staff, doctors, and parents of the hospital for sick children, and has been an instructor at the University of Toronto Medical School. She provides ongoing clinical programs such as mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, MBCT, and stress management for a wide variety of employee assistance programs. She writes the Inner Wisdom column at Mindful Magazine, which has over 750,000 monthly users, and is actually how we found her in looking for information about mindfulness and how it can help mend the broken heart, which again is what we're gonna be discussing today. But first, I'm gonna turn it over to Will for some announcements. Hey, it's great to be back, everybody. Elaine, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, I'm just going to run through a few announcements, everybody. There is still some space for our Mindfulness Adventure Retreat. That's May 18th to the 21st in upstate New York. Bre- move, breathe, and get mindful during this four-day, three-night immersive experience that includes a four-week integration program, too. If you sign up before March 17th, you'll save $200. <laughs> Head to mentalkingmindfulness.com slash retreat to book your spot before they're all gone. Um Help us grow the show by taking it a screenshot right now. You know, post it on your social and let the world know that you're becoming more mindful. And lastly, uh, hit up our YouTube. Uh, we're growing over there on YouTube, which is exciting. We actually got a new editor, so we're increasing the quality of our videos. Uh, and you can find us on YouTube. And, and so- it's snowing right now, guys, in New York. This is awesome. I'm sorry. Like, this is a moment distracted. here. I'm sorry. I did get very distracted. Okay, because I'm excited for the snow. Okay, sorry, guys. Sorry. Okay. So again, youtube.com slash at men talking mindfulness. Don't mind my ADHD. 
this is why we have the grounding practice right now. This is, so this is indeed. So, John, why don't you, you want lead me, that? You want me to switch it up do, and I'll lead it? I'm, I'm obviously a fucking hot mess again today. So, all good, all hey, good. So. I, I warned you, Elaine, I warned you. So, here we go. <laughs> so, I'm here in Colorado Springs where we've had a lot of snow recently. So, I'm not getting distracted by the snow outside my window. Uh, so, I will lead the practice. But I know I, I send pictures to Will all the time about the, uh, you know, with the snow. And he's always saying, oh, my God. Gosh, I love the snow. I can't wait to see the snow. And of yeah. course, here it is. It starts snowing yeah. as soon as he starts talking. So and, and, and right. now it seems to be mostly gone, John. So now I'm upset. <laughs> I'm going to grieve the loss of the snow. And we think we have a lane here to help us through the grieving <laughs> process. Okay, thank you. Let's crown. All right. Thank all right. You. Let's do this. All right. So yeah, go ahead and get comfortable and whatever is safe for you. Go ahead and get into that position. Whatever is comfortable and safe. And if closing your eyes also feels comfortable and safe, then I invite you to do so. Otherwise, just soften your eyelids, soften your gaze. And let's bring our attention to our breath. We've just started doing five simple breaths, focusing on the physical aspects of the breath to kick the show off. So let's kick it off by breathing out as much air as we can together, emptying your lungs, bringing your navel to your spine, deep breath in, Filling from the bottom to the top. Hold at the top and release. All the way empty, empty, empty. That's one. Deep breath in. Ballooning those lungs, starting at the bottom and filling all the way up. Hold at the top and release. 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 That's two, three more. Deep breath in through your nose, inflating those lungs all the way to the top and an extra sip at the top. Hold and let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Two more. Deep breath in. Noticing the air coming in through your nostrils. Inflating those lungs all the way to the top. Hold at the top and release. 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 Last one together. Deep breath in. Hold. And relax. Letting it go. Letting it go. Letting it go. And as you do so, start to blink your eyes open if they're closed. Otherwise, just refocus your gaze. Maybe bring some micro movements back into your body, moving your head around your neck. <sighs> I feel better. I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to kick this off. All right. Go ahead, Will. You got something. No, no nothing. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. All right. Awesome. Elaine, why don't we just jump right in? Um, and, uh, you know, so John, you uh, you wanted to get started about our own heartbreaks, you know, romantic. Yeah. So okay, you know, rant, romantic failures, you know, lossing of loss of loved ones, and uh, I guess we can just we can start there. Is that or how about this, Elaine? You're our guest. Do you feel that's the best place for us to start? You want to set a little bit of a baseline first, talking about grief and loss, or we can kind of jump into our own personal experiences and, and kind of take the conversation from there. I like the idea of first thought, best thought. And since, Will, you had this inspiration to jump right into the story, that feels like the natural and organic flow. Please do. Okay. That will probably spring from that will springboard our best conversation is my guess. Okay. Now, now I've got real nervous about talking. <laughs> You're welcome. 
well, I, I um, yeah, okay. So I had, I've kind of talked about this a few times on, on the episode or on our show a little bit, but I had a really incredible heartbreak that changed my life. I mean, really, I woke up, you know, from this experience or not even wake up from it. It took a long time to kind of drag me through this experience, but I was 27. I met an amazing woman. We had a fantastic relationship for, it wasn't even that long. It was like, you know, four or five months. And, uh, and, and it just, you know, at that time in my life, as I kind of look back on it, like, I didn't really know like who I was, what it was all about. And, and I think I put so much into this relationship, got really needy, and then it just kind of fell apart. And, you know, I really loved this woman. Um, and, uh, in the, in that loss, uh, and it was just like, it was like di- radio silence on her end. It was just kind of left alone, like to mm. deal with this, um, on my own. And the experience I had, and it lasted like, it, it took me about nine months to kind of get over it. Um, but those first few weeks and a couple months, like, um, I was like confused. I was, I was, I mean, I couldn't even hold a conversation. I was like completely unpresent in like almost every situation I was in because there just seemed to be something working deeper in the background of like, it just kept fuck with me. It kept messing with me. It just really, it just really, really like hit me very, very, very hard on on every single aspect of my life. Um, and, and then, uh, once I kind of, I guess, went through the grieving process, we're going to, we're going to talk about and what that looks like, what that sounds like and what we can do about it. And, you know, then I was able to, um, um, you know, start to recalibrate and, uh, and, and then find myself again after this experience. And, um, it was, uh, it was just quite devastating. And, um, and I, you know, and that's why I'm so glad you're here, Elaine, cause it's like, why, how, like, what, what is it, you know, we have in the notes here. It's like, what, what is it like when we get that, you know, that gut punch, like from, from losing somebody, whether it's, a you know, a, a dear family member, which I've had those losses as well, or someone that you love deeply, or if you get divorced or going through some sort of separation after being with someone for a long time, like I've seen people or heard people that, you know, after, during a breakup, like, you know, you, they actually vomit, you know, it's like, it, which is, which is a fascinating Think about that. It's just like, there's a moment in life and it causes like such an incredible visceral reaction that, you know, it leads to, to, to vomiting or purging or whatever, you know, that kind of thing is. So, um, that's my, my little story. I mean, and I'm also thankful for this relationship that, cause it, it, on the other side of it, like, I don't, I don't think I'd be in New York, like, you know, if I continued with that relationship, like I still would have been lost and maybe would have found myself many years later. But I think this really catapulted me into, you know, uh, getting discovering who I am, working to discover more of who I am and what I want to do. And, and here we are we're talking about it on a podcast right now with my boy, John, and things that we love to do and are very passionate about. So that's kind of my story. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I know you've talked about that before on the yeah. show, Will. And, and yeah. quite honestly, a lot of that is laid the foundation for you to become the man you are mm-hmm. and also to uh, find mindfulness. Right. Uh, yeah, I know that has a lot to do with that, too. Uh, yeah. But um, Elena, uh, I'll jump in with my my uh, anecdotes, if you will, and then we'll turn it over to you to maybe touch on some of yours and, and we can just discuss how. You know, maybe we mended our hearts correctly. Maybe we didn't. I don't know. We can t- discuss a lot we of things. We still here, are. So. <laughs> I feel like we're lying <laughs> well, I, on the couch, like therapist Elaine. Sure. We're lying on the couch and just we're just giving Elaine all of our stuff. Yes. Okay. There we go. That's really why we called you on here, Elaine, was just to get some free psychotherapy. <laughs> exactly. 
Thank John. You weren't supposed to say that. That's okay. Okay. So, uh, so I, you know, I, I'm 45 years old and I've had my heart broken uh, numerous times. Um, you know, it started with probably my first relationship uh, back in high school. You know, I was a sophomore dating a senior, and when she graduated, uh, as what happens a lot, you know, they, they move on and uh, they, they don't want to be dating a high schooler when they're in college. So uh, that was my first heartbreak. And, uh, you know, that that was painful. And it took me quite a while to get over that. Uh, then I had a, you know, another, uh, I don't know, two year relationship when I was in college. It was a long distance relationship with a girl from my hometown in Louisiana. But then when I went, went on to Navy SEAL training, um, I can't fault her for this. She, she actually wanted nothing to do with me anymore. She was like, Hey, you know what? You're, you're going to go off and do your thing. I've got to do mine. Um, but, but I, that broke my heart. Um, and I, I actually, I, I, for whether this is wrong or right, I, I actually used it for fuel. I used it for fuel in the training that I was doing. Mm. I turned inward and focused completely on the the Navy SEAL training that I was in, and uh, and used it because uh, I was like, well, if if she left me because I was going to become a Navy SEAL, last thing I want to have happen is me not become one, and I lost this very valuable relationship. So I used it. I used that as fuel. Um, uh, I actually, I, I will admit, I carried some of that heartache into my next relationship, which actually ended up being my first marriage. And mm -hmm. um, I think that actually had a lot to do with uh, the instability in my first marriage, um, because I, I was still healing and mending from this previous relationship. And then, uh, you know, I've got, I've got failures as well, not just romantic heartbreaks, but I've got failures, goals that I had set in my mind that I did not achieve. I've got goals that I'm still setting in my mind that I don't achieve, and I still go through regular heartbreaks on that. And then I've lost friends. Um, quite literally, I've lost them on the battlefield, or I've lost them because, mm. I don't know, we just moved in different directions, literally or figuratively. Um, I've got that heartbreak. Um, I will admit, and, and Will and I are, no, are gonna talk about this, I, I haven't lost anyone in my family, very close mm. to my family. I've lost my grandparents, but yeah. I, I still have my parents. I've still got three older sisters and a younger brother. I've got my uh, my wife and, and three children, and I haven't lost anyone there yet. But I know that is tremendous heartbreak that a lot of our listeners um, have experienced. Loss of members of their family, loss of children, loss of husbands, wives. Um, so I'd love to for us to stop talking as the host to turn it over to, to, to you, Elaine. And, and let's talk about one, um, you know, the, the work that you do, and then two, maybe some heartbreaks that you've experienced and what kind of compelled you to write this article in, in Mindful. Thank you so much, both of you. And needless to say, what a gift to everyone who's listening right now at your transparency and courage and willingness to be able to share these very awkward human moments and one of the things that you in particular john invoked was the notion of the navy seal and one of the reasons that i especially appreciate that you mentioned that is that sometimes we we think well if only i were tougher if only mm -hmm. i were if only i were like tough as nails then mm -hmm. i then <laughs> for sure that's not gonna happen to me right and you know i just glanced over since i didn't know anything about will's background but I, you had shared with me that you know that was you know, one of the labels of your past, I did just sort of take a brief look at the notion of the Navy SEAL. And I thought, wow, that is a very tough and hardy 
group of humans who are expected to perform at a very high level, but it doesn't matter. The significant part is the humans. And, mm. and that my sense about what you're aiming for in this podcast is to help reconnect anyone who is interested in listening in what could that be for us if we could have the courage to allow vulnerability to break us open to the technicolor experience of life, mm. which is so scary, Very. but it's so vivid and worth it. And um, and Will said something really important, right? Like I took a couple of notes as you were talking because I'm a psychotherapist. <laughs> exactly, I saw you. You were listening so intently. I was like, I see those therapist eyes. I see them. I think she's looking. She's touching my soul right now. <laughs> I, I, you said something really important, and that was. Um, it changed your life. And so sometimes we, you know, we don't, of course, you know, one of the challenges of our typical human experience is we want to avoid discomfort. And, and so we will sometimes hold on to situations that are no longer fruitful. They're no longer alive. They're not really leading us in a, in a, a direction that is actually of benefit to ourselves, but our fear-based mentality that can be there for even the hardiest of person. Like that's what's so important. It's not a personal failing. Some of us still carry, you know, the seeds of our child selves inside and that that kind of little vulnerability that like, is anybody gonna love me if you don't mm. love me? And that's, you know, then we, what happens is we, you know, uh, sometimes we can talk about that as the soft spot, the soft spot, which is actually the most beautiful, uh, beautiful spot to be that soft. You talked about, John talks about having children. I don't know if Will has children, but I don't see how you could be a good father and husband if you do not have some connection to that soft spot. That is the tender spot of just being a raw human that lives and sorry, spoiler alert, is dead at the end. It doesn't matter who you are. You are gonna be dead. I, I'm sorry, like I said, I'll leave my lawyer's number, but you're None dead. of us are getting out of this alive. That's right. And <laughs> so I find that extremely helpful because it contextualizes these experiences, not like, well, I could have lived on until immortality if you hadn't have hurt my feelings or hurt mm. me other than this is perhaps the very reason that we have life is to go through these experiences and to learn and grow. And when I think about pain as an example, and I'll, I'll tell a story of my own, but when I think about pain, I, I think about diet and how in the diet, anybody knows anything about nutrition, a smooth, unless you've got like IBS or something, a smooth diet is not beneficial to good digestion. Like if you eat all pre-digested smooth food, it's so unhealthy for your body. Mm. We inherently require roughage in our diet for health. Life experiences require adversity for us mm. to up. It's so tempting to stay asleep. It's so tempting to cuddle into that perfect relationship that starts in infancy and is the nipple that doesn't quit. But is that really, truly what is most beneficial that brings us into the electricity of being able to be a full on human? So I, I feel, you know, when I look at my own experiences, you asked me what prompted me to write that article. 
So I, I'm very privileged because I have a column in Mindful Magazine and they have, and I've had it for many years and they allow me to look at my own personal experiences and write from there because I've been a mindfulness practitioner for about 5,000 years. So I have a lot. <laughs> I know I only look 4,000, but I actually have been here 5,000 years and I, I've done a lot of a lot of experiences. Oh, okay. So I see there's chats coming in too. Okay. Yeah, there are. Oh, okay. I just noticed that. Okay. Yeah. Both of her parents at 17 months old. Oh my gosh. Adoptive father 60 years later. How about devastation? Right. So, okay. So, well, maybe we'll get to the other question. Thank you so much. Now, I just didn't, I hadn't noticed that there were comments coming in. So, thank you so much for your willingness to share. That's very touching. So, my own experience was I, I had a relationship. That's what I wrote about in that article. And I, I vividly remembered that feeling of heartbreak. And I can remember feeling like, oh, I see why they call it heartbreak because my mm. heart hurts. The muscle of my actual heart feels like it's getting smashed. And I was surprised at how visceral and physical it felt. Like, it wasn't just an emotional concept. It, it physically hurt. And what was so interesting for me from that experience was as devastated as I was, as I felt, I don't want to say as I was, because it's really helpful when we can experience our emotions, not as I am, as if that's me, I am angry. Well, are you angry or are you just feeling anger? Like anger is an energy. So I, I, I remember that extremely painful, painful experience that seemed to just like explode and block out everything else. It was so crushing to, feel rejected, basically, you know, and it doesn't matter what the, it doesn't matter what the reasons were, it doesn't even matter if I contributed to it, which in that case, I did, it still hurt. And this is something that we also need to look at is pain is pain. It, it's not about Oh, well, <laughs> it hurt, but I got over it. And that doesn't work like that. You, <laughs> that's not how the body works with emotions. And we'll talk about that in a bit, too. But similar to what Will said, that was one of the most important things that ever happened to me in my life because I, because of that experience, I left my kind of comfy diaper in, Vancouver, <laughs> um, which, you know, I had a lot of good things going there. I was known and I had a life and got written about and blah, blah, blah. So for me to leave that, really took a giant explosion or I absolutely would have clung for dear life because it hurt so much. I opened up in a way that I probably wouldn't have. And I made a choice to leave Vancouver and move back to my home city where my parents were in Toronto. And intriguingly, that was the beginning of a brand new life for me. Like the person that I am today, I can trace back to that moment of heartbreak. And yeah. if it hadn't have been so painful, I wouldn't have gone. I would have found a way back. I would have clung. That's our yeah. tendency is to cling to what, what we know, you know, that as mm -hmm. it were, the devil we know. So, so that's in, in terms of that story, that whole idea that we, we don't want to feel discomfort which is what that is. But when we can recognize that this is breaking us open to new possibilities, we can feel that discomfort and not let it stop us. Let feel adversity, know it. We're not trying to ignore it. This is what's really important. Like if when pain happens, the body has a, a 
the body handles thoughts differently than it handles emotions. Is it okay if I keep going? I know I'm talking. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. Jump in when you want to interject. The body handles thoughts totally differently than it handles emotions. So a thought, that person hates me. Um, if only I had done this better. Oh, why didn't I bring them tofu? I forgot they were vegan. Oh, shoot. Oh, no. Like, why? Well, I, I thought a burger was the, oh, damn. You know, we, mm-hmm. we can look at our thoughts and try to spin ourselves around. If only, if only I'd done this, if only I'd done that. But what I find so helpful, and this is a concept that comes from cognitive behavior therapy, it's so helpful when you can take your thoughts to court and say, okay. To yourself, okay, hang on, hang on. What what evidence am I using to prove to myself that the reason that person broke up with me is because there was some defect in me? Mm. What evidence? No, oh, well, um, because they said it. Mm-hmm. Well, even if they say that, it still doesn't really mean that there's anything personal going on. We can take our thoughts and should, I, t- I rarely use the word should, we can and really might wish to take our thoughts to court always to ask ourselves, oh, interesting, what evidence am I using to believe this truth that I've, truth prison that I've locked myself in? Saying that, our emotions are not handled in that way. Our emotions are a consequence of whatever is triggered in a thought or an act, an event, right? So, so if, you know, I'm sure you all know the notion of fight, flight, freeze, fawn, sure. right? Yeah. This is, this is a, a reptilian part of our brain. This is the survival mechanism in our brain. So good luck trying to get past this one. Like I mm-hmm. welcome you to try it. You might sugarcoat it and tell yourself that doesn't bug me, but that's just a sugarcoating because the reality is probably underneath there's that ouch. So when our emotions are triggered because of a belief, right? We have an event and it activates a belief system. I'm not worthy of love. I'm, I, I, I smell. I, oh, shoot, if only I had brushed my teeth once, maybe I'd still have a relationship. Like, who knew? <laughs> who knew? Um, whatever, you know. But, in, but those are really all just intellectual concepts. Nonetheless, when the body reacts and goes into the so-called fight, flight, freeze, fawn, there is an emotional chemical consequence. There's some super, I thought, interesting research from a research named Jill Bolte-Taylor. Well, she talks about emotions having a 90-second chemical experience through the body. So you, it's like pushing a button, anger, energy or anger, emotion, cortisol, adrenaline, you know, those kinds of things that they, they get triggered. They're, they're triggered whether, whether you want them to be or not. What's so interesting is this notion that if we could be present to the emotional chemical experience that's moving through our body and just allow and let be, which is a mindfulness mm-hmm. kind of notion, right? Where otherwise we're okay. resisting and going into back into fight, flight, freeze. But if we can allow and let be, we still might go, oh, like an animal, like, ah, ow, ow, because we are animals. When we can be with the animal of ourselves in those, for even just an experiment of 90 seconds, without diving back into that story of, and then they said, and then I said, 
that potentially can be enough to allow us to soft, not maybe not get rid of, but soften that tent, that experience, soften it to allow for a bit more space, for a potentially allow for a bit more compassion. And in that softening is where our freedom lies, right? Where what tends to happen is we're so hooked into our thoughts that we re-trigger that 90-second thought. And you even said it, oh, you know what, to tell the truth, I've kind of dragged some of that into my next relationship because they're very sticky, these thoughts, if, especially if we secretly feel that they're actually telling some truth about us. Like, oh yeah, on the surface, I look like this. People are telling me, yeah, well done, but you're handsome, you're, you're this, you're that. Well, I don't believe, how could you have problems? Because they're only looking at the surface version of you and not actually attuned to the reality that inside there's so many yous. There's so many mm -hmm. different yous that are, you know, I'm sure you had to overcome many of those voices to do this podcast, you know, in including, oh, who wants to hear us? Like, why? <laughs> Men don't want right. to talk about mindfulness. Like, who's going to listen? But Will, John, who's going to talk? Nobody's going to listen. <laughs> we, have, we, have, part of your we have a massive audience of Three or four people, I think. And me and you are, are one and two, John. So we have one fucking person listening. <laughs> no, I'm listening to myself. So that's three. <laughs> so, so I just wanted, like you said, like lay the groundwork. The groundwork is a. Unless there's something you want to share with me, my guess is you're human. Right. B. Mm -hmm. We die at the end, so there's. It does not matter how fabulous your life is. You could have been born with a silver spoon up your butt and every <laughs> orifice. But regardless of that, that does not at any level change your relationship to heartbreak, confusion, heartache. You could, as Cassandra very vulnerably shared, something way beyond her control. She lost her birth parents at 17 months old. So what do you do with that? You can't change that. You can't make it better. And if you glide over it as if it doesn't matter, that's only going to probably be on the surface because underneath, you use the word devastation. Underneath is that shaky feeling we have that we're all alone. And so, so the thing about relationship that's kind of tricky is it so easily can become every kind of relationship. So that means parental, love relationships, friendships. They so easily can unintentionally become codependent. We think that we are intertwined with each other in a healthy way. But if secretly we feel afraid that it's not going to be enough for us to be on our own, then we unintentionally lean on this false belief that we aren't okay. And other people are going to fill us up in our not okay places. And then what happens is we get that honeymoon phase of being filled up and it feels so yummy. And I'm like, oh, I want this forever. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best sex of my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> for the first five days, that was the best sex of my life. And it's like, is that still what you're, oh, okay, well, well. <laughs> here, I'll Call me when it's done, you know. Uh, and uh, not me, of course. I'm uh, engaged. I'm a mindfulness teacher. You can't even imagine what goes on in my head. And uh, but, 
but this is like we're now looking at that reality of of also the temptation to want to hold things so tightly that they don't breathe i i i found you i have found you my beloved and mm. uh, it's like a musical you know we we want to hold that so tightly but it's not organic as it were it's not really how life works you might have a baby and go, oh my God, that is the cutest baby I've ever had in my life or that ever existed. And then you're like, you know what? If only my baby could just stay like this forever. Mm. We can have heartbreak by watching this, our children grow up and like, no. I get that all the time. Oh. I, yeah, I, I think, I, Will, I don't think you were on our, our uh, check-in recently, but I, I shared that with our uh, one of our check-in meetings that we had. And uh, I've got you know my five-year-old, my three-year-old, and my one-year-old. My five-year-old is in the back of the truck. I'm driving her to school, and Tim McGraw song comes on the radio. My little girl, and uh, you know, I start tearing up. And my daughter asked me what's wrong, and I told her, you know, I'm 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 sad because you're getting you're getting older right before my eyes, and before I know it, you're going to be getting married to someone and moving on. And she said, Yeah, I, I love our family like that too. She said something, um, I'm going to mess this up, but she said something like, uh, love, I, I feel a pain in my heart, but it's a good pain. And I I was like blown away that she said that as a five-year-old. But I, 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 that's what I feel all the time. And Will and I have gone uh, and done, um, I'll be completely transparent with you here, Elaine. We've gone and done um, psychedelic therapy. And on one of the psychedelic journeys that I was on, my mm -hmm. kids came into my mind and into my into the into the experience and i was mourning the loss of their babiness right as they get older they're going to lose their innocence and they're going to become grown-ups and and even as a five-year-old i uh you know i'm, I'm mourning the loss of my five-year-old as a three-year-old and it's just it's wild that that heartbreak happens even though the, that person is still there in our lives. We're mourning almost a season of our lives, um, a season of their lives and a season of ours. Uh, so there's there's heartbreak there too, which I'm glad you brought up. So where, where do we where, what do we do with this? Like you know, how do we begin to mend this heart what, or get over the grief? Or or you know, is there a step by step process? Is there um, is it just time? Is it, uh, you know, I mean, do we really need, I mean, is how important it is to face, you know, this incredible adversity f coming from the heart uh, and also dealing with our, I love how you're talking about how the mind likes getting away and make it all personal. And, you know, and in your article, you're, you know, you're writing about, it's like, oh, if I only would have done this or, and I've had those conversations too. It's like, oh, if I wouldn't have been this way or been that way, or I would have done this thing differently, you know, this would have happened maybe, and we could have stayed together. So let's go, you know, let's dive into that. Like what, you know, how do we manage, how do we mend? You know, okay. Uh, well, I, I want to come back to think, I want to come back to something John just said, that he said yeah, to his yeah. daughter, um, because that, that was really beautiful what you said, but what I thought your daughter was going to say when you said, oh, I'm mourning the loss of you. You're going to, you're one day, you're going to be this and that. I thought your daughter was going to say, dad, have you thought of practicing mindfulness? <laughs> exactly. like, be here now, be here now, dad. Here right, right. right. <laughs> Cause, Cause so the, so answer your question, Will, like the first step for all of us is awareness and 
you know, sometimes, I don't know if you got this in your podcast, if it ever comes up, you know, people would come up to me in the past, they'd say, oh, you're into awareness, like it's some hippie thing. You're like into awareness, <laughs> aren't you? And I'm like, why? What are you into? Unawareness. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. you know, and, and so in a way, John just very vulnerably shared with us that moment where we're where we leave the present moment, number one. We, we don't recognize that we get trapped in nostalgic feelings and in ideas and concepts and sentimentality. And it, it's it's all very much Hallmark Cardi in the sense that it, <laughs> you know, we're, we're trained to um, have a kind of concept about family and, and, and tenderness and all that. So it's really challenging to have awareness of it. I would even have said like John in that moment could notice, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. Like my beautiful five-year-old is here. She is here with me right now. How interesting that I can uh, feel myself pulled out of the present moment. Mm. And what happens when I get pulled out of the present moment, how interesting it, it it's being pulled to pain. Because sometimes when we look at, you know, this comes back again to your question, we're like, this notion of autopilot that many of us unintentionally live. We live in autopilot and, and, you know, and that autopilot idea, you probably talk about it all the time is, you know, you're just, you have unawareness, you know, maybe you drove from point A to point B for all, you know, aliens abducted you partway through. You don't remember anything that happened. It's like, how did I get here? How did I get to McDonald's? My God, did I fly? What happened? (laughs) So we, the challenge about, living in autopilot, which seems kind of like a normal or even like a great survival tactic when life is so intense, is the mind, uh, especially when the mood is a little bit low, so we could also have investigated, oh, John, what, what was there for you in that morning before you got mm. in the truck? Like, was there another thing? You got an email from, like, what was your starting spot? So this is the same question, Will. Answer to, like, what's our starting spot? Like, we think this is just how I feel, but it's also really helpful for us to notice what is my starting spot right now? Like, have I already feeling a bit low is did i do i already feel a bit spongy do maybe i don't have it maybe my job is uncertain maybe i'm i'm anxious about money and then this comes in too so mm-hmm. awareness allows us to be honest about our starting spot and recognize oh okay i'm already feeling a little bit low or a bit open ten, tender in a, in a challenging way and the thing about autopilot is it's very opportunistic. So as soon as you space out and let your mind drift unawares, the tendency in, and the evidence supports this is that it drifts to the, to the negative. Yeah. It doesn't just drift any old where. It tends, especially if we're a little, that's why I said starting spot is significant. It tends to drift towards the negative and then we feed a story and then the next thing you know, it's a full-blown agony we're in the movie rather than watching the movie. Mm, so point. so the first thing is for me is always awareness. Like, I mean, I'm still human even after I've practiced for almost 10,000 hours. Turns out I'm still human. And so, so when you say awareness, Elaine, just so you, awareness of those feelings, awareness of, 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 that, uh, of that negativity bias to go into the negative, awareness of, um, of what I just like, you know, um, just to kind of. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So let me touch on that. So now this also comes from mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And this is, a, a, I think, really helpful awareness. What is it we're aware of? We want to check in with, A, what thoughts are spinning right now? So John, you're, oh, you're going to grow up so fast. You're not going to be here. And then, mm-hmm. the next thing you know, you're going to marry some scumbag. And, right. 
have to beat the hell out of him. Like, why is he driving a motorcycle? What? No I don't way. care if I drove one. You're <laughs> and your five year old's like, what? It's like he is not taking and he's like, but daddy, I mean like, no, no. So we have to be aware of what thoughts have been triggered. That's that's you know the first thing. So we can just notice, okay, now I get some sense because because when we have awareness and I'll go through all the different things, then I my attitude is actually it all makes sense. What's beautiful because you're you've both talked about the idea of doing it wrong. You know, did I do it wrong? Did I get it wrong? I think it's really, really helpful and in the spirit of kindness to notice it all makes sense. Like these hurt feelings, they make sense. If, if my thoughts are, I'm about to be abandoned by my five-year-old and I'm probably gonna die alone and my wife is probably gonna find an even better Navy SEAL and I don't even know what's gonna happen. <laughs> so that all can happen really quickly. So noticing thoughts, number one. Once you notice your thoughts, then check in with your emotions. So thoughts usually come as sentences, like you'll hear the, the chatter in your head. So just try to notice, and you could say the, uh, the mind is like the sky, and you could view these thoughts that are swirling as the clouds that come and go, or you're lying on a riverbank, and you could watch them as sticks and leaves floating by, or images on a movie screen. Those are some of our traditional metaphors that we look at. As a way to give us our, ourselves a little bit of distance from those thoughts, that's how we check our thoughts, right? That's how we take our thoughts to court. So number one is that. Once we, then we want to notice what emotions, we're talking about what is awareness. What emotions have fueled up this thought? It's very helpful just to label the emotions with maybe just one word. Then you're not getting into a big story. You're not personalizing. Okay, what's here? Sadness, grief, nostalgia, anger, resentment, Sometimes we're terrified to name these things because we feel they're going to engulf us. It takes bravery to turn, it's counterintuitive, to turn towards these things and actually ask them, okay, what's here right now? Just What's here? It's okay. It's just a chemical consequence of these thoughts. Let me feel it. So the first one is let me know it. Like, let me know what's here. The second one is let me feel it. It's already mm. here. Let me feel this. It takes tremendous bravery, my friends. This is not an act for people. It takes bravery to feel these emotions. They're painful. Let me feel it. Let me have that 90-second experience of these emotions. They're a communication. They're beautiful. They make sense. It's okay. They're welcome. It's all okay. And then we go to the body. We don't have to do it in this order necessarily, but all three. So it's thoughts. What thoughts are here? what emotions, labeling them with even just one word. And then we go to the body because sometimes we don't know. I don't know what thoughts are here. I don't know. What emotions? My emotions. I, don't, I haven't felt my emotions in 20 years. I don't know. <laughs> so, but sometimes, maybe especially for men, it can be easier to check in with your body and just from a kind of uh, reconnaissance mission, almost just check in and say, okay, um, I'm not here to analyze this data, but I'm just here to take notes. What am I feeling in my body? Oh, my jaw tightened, my belly tightened, my sphincter tightened, I'm holding my breath. Uh, you know, my shoulders are up. Shoulders, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, clenching your fist jaw, maybe or something. Your I don't know. Fist. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, those, those, those are great, you know, can be eye tightening. We all have our own little hidden ear tightening. We all have our own, depending on how cleverly masked are we, we are even to ourselves, we all have our own way of experiencing it. So awareness, 
what thoughts are here, knowing I can take ask myself eventually what evidence am I using to prove that these are true, but right now just noticing that's what's triggering me, what emotions are firing these thoughts up, and how is my body experiencing this, whether I want it to or not. Mm. That can be a very helpful way to release these difficult experiences. We're not trying to get rid of them. We're not trying to push them away. Yeah. We're letting ourselves feel them, acknowledge them, be with them, let them have their moment, and then maybe notice. You'd have to check this out for yourself. Don't believe me. You have to notice, does that strangely soften the whole experience and allow it not to be gotten rid of, but give it more space? And, and what if it's going on? Like I, if there's someone out there listening and it's going on for like weeks, months, you know, you're because you're, you're, the, the loss is so deep. It's it's. Is it just enough to you know be aware and observe, or is there you know another step, or uh, you know something else that, you know, from my experience, what helped me is I someone had uh, requested or, or suggested a book, The Artist Way by Julia Cameron, and I started working on that book, and I got in touch with myself. I started journaling and journaling and journaling, writing all this fucking rage and fucking pissed offness and all these feelings I had, and rah, it was just like all that stuff that was in my head and the feelings were coming out on the page. And in this case, it just helped me to kind of, and she's a brilliant writer, and her book is fucking fantastic. It helped me to exercise a lot of that, and, it, and it, I started to be able to see, get that objective experience that you had talked about, which I think is, is essential, right? I mean, just to kind of distance yourself from this. Um, um, and then I just began to literally write my own story through these pages and through her guidance. Um, so, I mean, it's, I, I guess that's what, that's what, that was my kind of rescue. But what's the, you know, um, when you're kind of flailing in, in, in the ocean of, of thoughts and feelings and awareness, it's like, is there a life raft that'll come along? Is there somebody that can potentially help you, whether it's like a therapist or, you know, whether it's, you know, something else, um, um, or we're just kind of left to our own devices and eventually we'll hit the shore and, and, and start again. Well, to push back a little bit. Yeah, please. I thought you very glibly said, is it enough just to notice thoughts, emotions, body sensations? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I would say to that, it's very glib to say that unless you actually go through that experience and find out for yourself, how did that help? Because okay. sometimes people are still using they try to use that to get rid of uncomfortable feelings. And then they go, mm -hmm. I did, I've noticed that thing and I felt that and I then I still feel all of that. So it's not that mm -hmm. it gets rid of it. It's that it helps potentially us depersonalize and recognize right. that this is not a me. So the other, sorry, Julia Cameron is wonderful, but I'm going to also be daring and, and yeah. say something opposite here too. I think that I understand and appreciate why journaling these difficulties can be very helpful, but it also, or and, it also can be a way to entrench these stories unintentionally. Uh, right. So I think that we really want to bring awareness in again to what is the purpose for journaling? Because it could really be that effing fit. And well, like, well, let me know. just let me just say one thing, like, like the journaling, like this, I, do, I was not necessarily connecting the, the two, like they just kind of happened um, because I was just looking for any kind of answer, any kind of distraction or any kind of whatever in this circumstance. And, and this, and I just picked up this book, I'm like, wow, this is really amazing. And, and so like, I'm not trying, I'm not necessarily linking, you know, journaling as a way to heal. It was just like the path that I like, because I was so fucked up, like because of this loss that I just like fell into it because 
because I, 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 it was the only thing that I could really do that, that, uh, or, or just, it just gave me something to do. You know what I mean? So, uh, so thank you. Okay. So thank yeah. you for putting it that way. So you've now given me a different window to look at this. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes we can dive right into something. You ask what else, you know, sometimes that's too much. Like trauma can be too yeah, much yeah. to dive into and it just hurts, 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 hurts. So yeah. what you did. So thank you so much for persisting with me to help me understand the story yeah. more accurately. You, you did something which within psychotherapy is called decentering. You recognize, it, it didn't seem like it, but it actually was you feeling this difficulty. It had you, it trapped you. And so you actually shifted your attention, at least the way you described it to me, and you externalized it. You allowed yourself, you know, sometimes people do cutting, right? You know, oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is, it can, you know, there's something interesting about cutting because it, as much as we don't like to talk about it or whatever you see, it's like externalizing a pain that at least lets us feel, us feel like, oh, well, okay, like it's, I see it, it's out here. It's not just in me trapped. Mm. So I hear you saying that you, you found a way to, uh, in a way, be objective about this by putting it on paper and letting you see how much pain you're in. Yeah. Because sometimes we don't let ourselves know how hard it is. So I totally agree with you that if you, it can be a, a, a generous companion. So I am never not at all saying journaling is not wonderful. I, I really was, wanted to put in like noticing what am what am I doing with this moment of journaling? Am I using it as a way to entrench my suffering and that my feeling that I was victimized? Or is it a way for me to stand with myself and say, buddy, dar yeah. buddy or darling, I get it. This hurts so much. I, I'm here and it's out on paper. I, it, it makes it more real. Maybe it felt like a fantasy and then it lets you make it more real. And then we feel like, okay, it's not my imagination. This pain really, really hurt me. Yeah. Well, I don't want to say there's just a way. I think we can dive into it and mm -hmm. face it. So that's that Jill Bolte Taylor, like hanging in there with those emotions and seeing if we can just open the door of the monster in the closet and see, you know, it's exposure therapy that can be a way if you're ready, but if you're not ready or you're too traumatized and some comments came out about, you know, pain that's still there, that may not be the right mode to dive in because that may not be very kind. Mm. I, I feel that, Will, what you just pointed to was you found the kindest path for yourself. Yeah. And that is more important than anything else I could say. It's like, if we're privileging kindness then we are moving out of fight, flight, freeze. We're allowing for the space to be there. And we're not abandoning ourselves. That's hugely important to me. Yeah. Do not abandon yourself. When you have heartbreak, you we tend to look for reasons why we screwed up. So mm -hmm. we abandon ourselves and we say, you suck. You're disgusting. And, you know, we, we badmouth ourselves picture this little person in us going but I hurt so much right now and you're kicking the hell out of me like I just need you to comfort me mm. so you know sometimes and and what Colleen has said here about her husband's death and still devastated it's a long time to be married to somebody and hope that you're just going to be able to pull that plug and move on there's going to be thoughts and feelings that surface over and over so what I appreciate about what you guys are doing with this podcast and the notion of mindfulness is what else can we do but be with ourselves over and over and over and over and go, oh, this hurts, this hurts. If you can just be there and let that emotion come through, maybe that will help soften it. Or maybe you throw mm -hmm. yourself into 
a joyful event. Sometimes we say it's really helpful when you're suffering to have a list of things that really bring you pleasure mm. and a list of activities that give you a feeling of mastery or accomplishment. And mm. when you feel really rotten, it's not a good time to make the list when you feel rotten. You need to make it when you feel, <laughs> yeah, right. you feel then you might look and you go, oh, cup of tea or walking the dog or calling my friend or going to a movie are things that make me feel better. So that can help with the decentering. And then when we also feel very low, we can not want to get out of bed or shower or brush our teeth. Washing our dishes can be an act of mastery or accomplishment in that moment. Oh you look at that list and you go, oh yeah, right. Mowing the lawn makes me feel like I've actually done something. I'm back in right. life again. And you might think, but I don't want to mow the lawn right now. And then you have to be kind to say, come on, buddy. Come yeah. on. It's okay. We've talked a lot about mending the heart and I, I have a feeling I know where this is going to go and it's going to go back to the mindfulness of being present in the moment. But as I discussed at the very beginning, you know, Will and I both still have our parents, uh, mm. but inevitably, most likely, uh, they're going to die before us. And that is going to be a heartbreak that we are going to have. Um, how can we prepare ourselves for um, a heartbreak that is inevitably coming our way, whether it's the loss of a parent, you know, the, the, the loss of a, a loved one somewhere else or a failure of some sort. How do we prepare ourselves pre preemptively, if you will, yeah. prior to? Yeah. Well, you did kind of say it and uh, also, my, <laughs> I my, already, yeah, no. My parents, my mother is 89. She has stage three cancer. My father is so 90, 94. Wow. You know what? You know what? It's you say sorry, and I appreciate that because that's what we say. But it but coming back to the question that you asked, what has come for me of this is it really, really awakened me to mm. every moment is precious. And before mm. the cancer, it's easy to get irritated by small things. Oh, why are you giving me advice? <laughs> I don't I'm an old lady. You don't need to give me advice, mom. Yeah. Right. But instead, it's so softened everything in my heart. And now I notice that my ears and my heart and my mind are so attuned to the present. So you're, this is my response to how to work with it is I'm so here that I feel inside myself at the very least, I'm not going to have any regrets. Mm, yeah. Go back and say, oh my God, I should have had a V8. What the hell did I do? Why <laughs> right. I, that's why an old, that's an old fucking reference. That's funny. Like, I really feel that the best way to deal with future heartbreak is to 100% be here now with as much love and awareness and humor. So, we haven't talked about it. We've manifested humor, but yeah. we haven't talked about the value of humor, which is. Yeah. Like, we are all dead at the end. Ha ha ha. Sorry. We're all dead at the end. So it's not like our parents are going to go somewhere we're not going to go. I'm also actually involved in a program called Mindfulness Informed End of Life. And mm. it's so beautiful. It's so beautiful because something that I found really powerful to remember is until you're actually dead, you're still alive. So sometimes we treat the dying as though they are not as with us. Mm. You know, we start to treat them differently. And I found it very helpful to remember they're they're doing their thing you know until we don't have brain function anymore there's still a relationship of some kind it's also helpful to remember that one of the last senses that go for people who are dying is hearing and presence 
So looking at mindfulness, just being able to be with people mm -hmm. at the end, instead of clinging and no, don't go, we're able to bravely be there with them for this beautiful, it is beautiful, it's only going to happen once, this beautiful transition. And I found in when I worked with somebody, a dear, dear, dear friend of mine who died, that that was like a heartbreak, you know, in the subway, I'd like burst into tears regularly, just like, oh my God, this is killing me. This person at the end, the last few hours, they completely lost touch with like even knowing who I was. Mm. And I was panicking because I thought, now what do I do? Like they, I'm all, I, I don't know what to do. I, how do I help them? And I, and I had this thought in my head, just, or my heart, I guess, just look at them with the eyes of love. Maybe they won't know who I am, but everybody knows what love looks like. You just mm. know it. So if I yeah. can just fill my eyes with love and all I'm saying, looking at is calm, love, presence, that's the best I can do. And I, yeah. I feel like, we're still going to feel grief. We're still going to feel heartbreak. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not, it's right. one of the colors on our palette, but the difference is, do we have to hold on to it or can we recognize this is all actually a natural part of life. Your daughter's going to grow up. People will leave us. They will die. Mm. We will die. It's actually, if, sorry, but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It's how well, it I, is. I like how you, mentioned like living with no regrets i mean i think it's so important because then you're really you're, you're living life more fully which uh you're honoring the living right uh, uh and your life uh is it also helpful i mean is it i mean what's the thought that came to me is it helpful to you know to maybe honor them in some way continually or you know what i mean if they were like your, your mom you know I don't know, always wanted you to do this or, 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 or continue to do this. It's like, is that kind of helpful or is that kind of keep us stuck, you know, in, in that relationship or, or, you know, cause I'd imagine some, in some ways that in their passing, that, that relationship still goes on. I mean, we're, we don't have the physical relationship, but we have that almost that divine relationship with them. Cause it's weird that there's kind of there in some way. Um, um, but, uh, and that relationship might change, you know, over time with them in that divine way. But I don't know if I'm making a lot of sense, but is there, you know, is there a way that it's just honoring help them? You know what I mean? Like by, you know, being a good son and not saying the F word or something. <laughs> well, then you're screwed already. So <laughs> I, I, I think it's really important that there's not a rule because clinging, clinging, if that's a word that anybody could relate to, that's like a clinging is is really what gives us suffering and if we're clinging to an idea that you know if i say fuck my mother is going to roll over in her grave <laughs> thankfully she's heard me say it already if i if i don't honor my mother or father i don't love them like it i think what's really important is to stay close to ourselves and honor the truth for ourselves if it's it's a natural thing if i naturally feel constantly like there's somebody some beautiful presence there and i want to just be in touch with it that's great if it's a rule then i'm already out of mindfulness i'm already mm -hmm. out of awareness i've mm -hmm. left that behind i've clinging to a rule as though that is the response to life rather than courageously saying we are we're all interconnected we are none of us separate it's not like that just because we don't understand the fullness of life and death 
does not mean that there isn't an interconnection. And I think that for me, when I rejoice in my heart, when I think of somebody, that's the honoring of them. If I try to hold myself back because I think they wouldn't like it, that to me is delusional. They're not here mm. anymore. Sorry. You don't no, no, no. agree with me. <laughs> Nobody has to agree with me. You asked me, like, this is my feeling. No, 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 no. My feeling yeah. is be present. It's all about mindfulness. Be present to the truth of the emotion as it emerges. It could be a moment of grief. It could be a moment of joy. Whatever it is, we're not saying get out. Only you're allowed in. We're saying this is what's here now. Can I be with this moment? Now this is what's, oh, and that led to joy. And then that led to anger. And then that led to resentment. It's all okay. I think it's mostly about letting ourselves stay close to our hearts, to the technical yeah. life and trust it's going to emerge and we can be there for that too. Can I be here mm -hmm. for this moment, even though I don't want to be? Yeah. I would love to have you back um, for, uh, you know, some follow on episode on this a little bit more to dig a little bit deeper. I know we're starting to run short on time and I'd also love, I, I've discussed this with Will before having an episode on something to the effect of mindfulness informed end of life. And I discussed that with my father about six months ago. And mm -hmm. uh, I think it would be fantastic to have an episode on that and, and to have you back to discuss more on mending the, the broken hearts, because I know our listeners could benefit. I know Will and I could benefit. Everyone can benefit from it. So, Elaine, it's been fantastic having you here with us um, as we start to come to the end of the episode. What have we not talked about? What would you like to share? And how can people find you if they're looking yeah. for you on social media, et cetera? Thank you so much. Well, first of all, thank you, everybody, for your comments for your willingness to come in and support Will and John in their wonderful, wonderful venture. That's why I'm here, because I really admired what I saw. And I, when I was reached out to, I thought, why would I not want to support this? This is awesome. Thank um, you. Absolutely. Thank you guys so, so much for what you're doing. That's really, really, really beautiful. Um, I do a billion different things within the mindfulness. And one of the things that I have coming up starting on February 7th, is a course online course I run through the uh, University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies called A Mindful Way Through the Creative Process. And what that is, is a 10-step project management course, interestingly, um, that uses structure, mindfulness, cognitive behavior therapy, and uh, as a way to come up with any project at all and see it all the way through to completion where you let it go. And that has been an incredible, incredible experience. So many different people have come through that. And you can uh, write me, probably the easiest is to go to my website, www.elainesmokler, one word, and that's E-L-A-I-N-E-S-M-O-O-K-L-E-R.com. Okay. And uh, uh, so feel free to just reach out to me if you want to connect more. And in terms of anything else we haven't talked about, it's really just... It's so helpful for us to welcome adversity as a way mm -hmm. to open ourselves up when we can live not trying to protect the soft spot, but to really choose to welcome it. Then that is not only a gift mm -hmm. to our own lives, it's a gift to our children, our spouses, our families, somebody you walk down the street who never will meet you again because it's written all over your face. That willingness and courageousness to live a noble life with 
openness, honesty, and from the heart, I don't see how anything is going to mend the broken heart of our world more mm. than that is going to. Yeah, that's that's perfect. We're actually, uh, I'm glad you touched on that, the adversity being the gift, kind of seeing it through different yeah. eyes. We're having uh, Marcus Aurelius Anderson on next week, uh, who is a former Army infantry guy um, who has tremendous adversity and he has embraced that adversity as a gift and has come a long way since then. Um, so um, that said, as, as I said, before we started hit and record, um, Elaine, we wrapped the show up with another grounding practice and we would love it if you would honor us with that grounding practice that you mentioned before. We would love to go through it with you. Beautiful. Thank you so much. And I just noticed Jack's comment about self-pity and mm. and i think that's really really important to bring in as and all connected to this practice when we're hurt it hurts and yeah. and that is the truth and part of what is helpful for me is to ask myself as much as this hurts what how does it benefit me to live my life as a victim of circumstance mm. and that takes a powerful mind to be able to recognize that I can at some level choose whether or not to go through my life feeling like a victim, even sometimes terrible, terrible, terrible things happen to us versus turning towards whatever comes and saying, is this what's going to stop me from living? Yeah. No, I'm not going to let this right. be it. Mm -hmm. So coming to the practice, I'm going to, I'd like to invite us to do some, just a couple of minutes of mindful self-compassion something important here is i find touch which is something many men perhaps are might be uncomfortable with but the invitation to possibly put a hand over that chestal area the heart so-called heart area or on your cheek or on your own head or forehead it isn't just i said earlier hallmark card it is a way to help you induce the flow of oxytocin. So we talked about the flow of adrenaline and cortisol and some of those challenging chemical experiences. The oxytocin is a bonding chemical. So when you make a kind connection with yourself, it's extremely soothing and calming to the nervous system. Uh, you'd have to explore it. So I'm going to invite you, if uh, treat it as an experiment. You'd be as an be a scientist of your own experience if you want to experiment placing a hand over that heart area or on your own cheek or anywhere that makes you feel like you you are there with you loving you and i invite you if you'd like to allow your eyes to close or lower and soften your gaze and maybe i'll bring in a visualization could you allow yourself to imagine that in your chest is a a beautiful blazing sun shining beaming radiant sun and it is shining from the front and shining from the back it is an unstoppable force of heat and light and into that glowing radiant space can you invite an image of yourself right now in that space or when you feel you're hurt with a hand touching the body making this connect connection and maybe offering yourself these words of intention. I'll say some words, you use these or change them as you wish, my friends. May I be happy.
May I stand with myself no matter what. May I, may I honor myself and this moment in all of its gory glory. May I feel welcome. May I know that I belong to the trees and the wind and the sky and the seas. May I know that we are all interconnected. May I live in peace and ease. And before we close this, if you're willing, bringing in someone else and offering, may you be happy. May you know that you belong and are welcome. May you feel cherished exactly as you are. May we all live in peace and ease. And on an out breath, letting go of any stress or tension that's ready to flow out. It may not all be ready, but some of it might be. Let it go. Opening your eyes, raising your gaze, and maybe a little stretch. Moving into action. Sometimes these things feel so heavy. I know. You know what? I recommend a little chair dance when I feel I, <laughs> I dare you. Feel horrible when you're doing a little chair dance. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Move that energy around. Oh, uh, we. Uh, I think that might be the second time we've done some dancing on this episode or on yeah. the show before. I uh, love it. We it's should, always kind of loosens more, things up. We should. We should. I, I am awful at dancing, but uh, I will do it, and uh, I'll have people make fun of me for it, and that's perfectly okay. Being so, silly is underrated by far. Yes, indeed. And Elaine, this has been such a delight. Thank you so much thank for you, being yeah. with us today. Thank you for sharing everything that you shared. And thank you for being vulnerable. Will, thank you for you being vulnerable and sharing what you've shared today. Uh, I've really appreciated everything uh, of this episode. And Will, I'll turn it over to you to shut it down. I just want to say thank you, Elaine. Um, this is a, a much needed conversation. I think it's a conversation that's probably not had enough out there in the world. Um, so anyone that's listening, you know, yeah, I mean, literally it, it, it pays even in these kind of circumstances where you're grieving a loss or divorce to get mindful, you know, and we have lots of, we, we have lots of different episodes about how to get mindful. We have meditations out there. We have a retreat coming up. So, you know, um, there's, there's lots of different touch points. So um, get involved, please. Uh, and I just want to, you know, um, promote your, um, your, class again, Elaine. So a mindful way through the creative process. This course is taking place virtually. So across the world, anyone that's listening, uh, February 7th is with the University of Toronto School of Continuing Studies. It, uh, her class begins um, Tuesday. So I guess like two weeks from now, February 7th, and it's uh, 630 to 930 Eastern time. Um, so I just want to eight. Oh, sorry, 6.30 to 8 p.m. My bar is 6.30 to 8 p.m. I'm reading too fast here. Uh, and uh, so... And thank you, Elaine. Uh, thank everyone for out there that's listening and sharing the show and taking that little screenshot and saying, hey, I'm become more mindful by listening to Men Talking <laughs> Mindfulness. And, uh, and we'll see you all again very soon. And Elaine, anything else before we go? Uh, sending love to everyone. Thank you so much for caring about being present to your precious lives. We all need you. 
Definitely. Thank definitely. you. Thank El you thank Elaine, you. hang tight after the closing here. We'll just have a couple of closing words together. But for everyone else, till next time, peace. Peace. Thanks. Joining us today, we hope you walk away with some new tools and insights to guide you on your life journey. New episodes are being published every week, so please join us again for some meaningful discussion. For more information, please check out mentalkingmindfulness.com.